0: Welcome to another edition of Union Money. I'm Brian Hirsch. This evening we're focusing on estate planning. One can never underestimate the importance of estate planning. It's a holistic process, encompassing all relevant values and aspects of one's assets and liabilities. Not only during your lifetime, but most importantly at the time of your death. Sometimes your estate planning goals may seem to contradict each other. Many have tried to retain control of how assets are used after their death. With an effective state plan, you can provide future security for all of those who wish to benefit. One of the reasons that you need to do a regular overview is that there are often changes in legislation which may affect your current plan. And joining this evening is Harry Joffe, Head of Legal Services at Discovery Life, and Tony Davey, Charter Tax Advisor, Advocate Tony Davy and Associates. Tony, Harry, welcome to you. So Tony, first question right. to you. Have there, have there been many changes? Now, if you think about estate planning, and I talk about being a regular, doing it regularly, but have there been a lot of changes that one needs to consider, legislation changes, and also particularly relating to marital regime? Hmm.
1: Uh, Brian, um, the, no, nothing specific relating recently since about 2018 to marital claims. Um, if there is a deceased estate, and the deceased was married, and there's a claim against the deceased in terms of the accrual system, then um, basically CGT has been clarified to the effect that any claim by one spouse against the other would not give rise to a CGT event.
0: And, uh, and, and, and is that an event, and in if, if, there were, if there was a divorce, would that make a change? So no, the, or would sa- the, the, the same su- the
1: applies, yeah.
2: Harry, you,
0: you're very strong in terms of ma- marital regime and particularly... I thought you were so strong in terms
2: of marriage. I don't know if <laughs> I am strong in terms of that. But, Brian, there's an interesting case recently, um, the, the Buanya case, which was all over the news, where the Constitutional Court um, opined on this issue where man and woman living together, not formally married, so, you know, the old common law type marriage in uh, the colloquial sense. And when he died she wasn't included in his will or in his estate at all. And she lodged a claim against the estate, which up until now, of course, has never been allowed because they weren't formally married. And the Constitutional Court allowed that claim against the estate under interstate laws. But there was very specific facts. You know, they'd been engaged and he'd made promises to her and they'd been together for a long time. So that kind of pushed the bar a little bit where we're starting to see now these these couples living together where the... The surviving spouse, as it were, although they're not technically a spouse, does now seem to have a claim against their state, but it's very factually dependent. So you can't say as a blanket rule every spouse will have a claim. You know, a lot depends on time together, promises made, and the facts of the case.
0: But if they appear to be living together, then you would consider
1: that, Tony, as a... a, And will they get the the 4Q deduction? Yeah, just bear one thing in mind. The tax legislation, in any event, um, specifically provides that for tax purposes and that includes donations tax estate duty as well and uh, capital gains tax that if persons in the opinion of the commissioner for inland revenue are permanently living together i.e under one roof then you are regarded and deemed to be a spouse for the purposes of tax relief correct
2: i think the problem was brian that the tax laws and the estate duty laws are liberal but the interstate succession laws and the maintenance laws are not so liberal. So there's always been this grey area around interstate and around maintenance, but Tony Zanem is incorrect. The income tax and the stately side was never grey. That was always clear.
0: And if they were excluding in the will?
2: Well, you see, so if you're excluding what the person that you're living with... Yes,
0: I mean, you don't mention them, you just leave... Yeah,
2: well, then now that's what this Buanya case is saying, that uh, there could well be a maintenance claim or interstate succession claim, depending on the facts. Because they were living together so long... The court regarded her as a spouse and that meant she was brought in and she would have those claims.
0: So what would happen if surviving children, it wasn't the biggest state, but surviving children waive their their rights to their claim under that will? What then
1: happens in terms of the nation's tax, CGT and all those things? Rana, actually you got a ruling on this from SARS about five years ago. The, the, The test is this, if as an heir you waive your right before the estate has been signed off by the master, then you are merely waiving an expectation, not a right, and therefore there is no tax event because there's been no vesting in you until the master has signed off the estate account. So if you choose not to inherit, there is no tax consequence to that. If that means further, that therefore assets go to a spouse in the broad sense, then there will be that exemption, that section 4Q between spouses. That's exactly what I got the ruling
2: on. Yep. Right, we're having some interesting cases now with insolvency. So, you know, we've got a case where the husband has died and left his wife as a beneficiary on an insurance policy. But he's insolvent, he dies insolvent, and uh, they marry in community of property. So even though there's a protection for insurance policies under section 63 in his estate, she's not protected as the beneficiary in the policy. So... She is now waiving her right as a beneficiary on the policy, because if she benefits, the creditors will go after her because it's in community of property and they're both insolvent. Mm. So she's going to waive the right, as Tony says, before it accrues to her, then the money will pay to the deceased estate, and then that Section 63 protection will kick in. So it's becoming a much more relevant issue now, not just for tax planning, but for insolvency and creditor protection. So so now
0: we've moved one step further, because I was talking about the will. You are now saying that someone can waive their right as beneficiary
2: under a policy. Yes, you don't have to claim as a beneficiary. We've had a couple of these cases where because the beneficiary is insolvent and they want to protect the proceeds for the family, they waive their right. So,
1: so Tony, you use the word expectation versus a right. Yes, because if you have a right, it implies that it has vested in you. It's just a legal phrase, which means it is yours, which means if you do something with it, there's a tax consequence. But because it's an expectation, and, and, and it's what we call an inchoate, it hasn't materialised until the master signed off the estate account. You're giving up a hope or an expectation. You're not giving up a right, and there, therefore there's no tax If The master will approve the estate account. But here you're talking about a beneficiary.
2: Yes, again, there's no right to the beneficiary. Remember, that's, there's been a lot of court cases on that. So, because it comes up in another scenario, Brian. Say Life Assured has nominated a beneficiary, and the beneficiary dies before the life, is sh- well, after the before the life assured does that beneficiary's right accrue to their family? So it happens very common if there's a simultaneous death, and okay. the, the courts have always said that beneficiary on a policy has got no rights until the life assured dies, and until they claim, they don't have a, a guaranteed right. Mm. So if you're just giving it up, it's the same what Tony's saying, you're giving it up before it accrues to you. It doesn't trigger any consequence
0: tony question them because a lot of people are making use who have trusts or taking money out of their trust and investing those trust funds offshore now are there any implica- are there any problems with the distribution from a trust any tax
1: implications mm. or because the tr- or, or will the trust only pay the cgt um, Brian, look it depends what the trust has given you we're talking about an rsa trust okay making a loan or distribution to beneficiaries who in turn then use their either investment allowance or their discretionary allowance, which aggregated is eleven million to push offshore. I mean it happens all the time. If if a trust uh, makes a distribution to you, then you've got to examine the nature of that distribution. And it's up to the trustees to specify what it is. If it's a return of original capital to you, there's no tax consequence. Okay. In other words, what was originally injected into the trust. If you get in um, the proceeds from the realization of, say, shares, okay, then in those circumstances that would have given rise to a capital gains tax event and CGT would be paid by the the beneficiary. Maximum, there's a formula, maximum 18%. And then they can push the balance offshore. And if it's capitalised income, then obviously that would be uh, taxable and the after-tax amount can be, you
2: know, moved offshore. So it would be how it's stated in the financials? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Brian, as Tony's saying, the problem is that a trust, a South African trust, of course, doesn't qualify for the allowances. We've discussed this before. So the South African trust doesn't get the $10 million or the $1 million, mm. So the only way is for them to push the money out to the beneficiary, the individual who gets allowances. Well, that's interesting. I was seeing there's an interesting scheme going around and, the schemes are probably the wrong word because it's not illegal but they now allow a local trust uh, to invest offshore through an asset swap so you would have to try to do some kind of asset swap and then it could invest offshore without going through the allowances but those you you, those are expensive you pay a quite a cost for using that asset swap facility yes and when
0: you bring the money back you pay tax on the on the on the, uh, if it's yeah, reinvested yeah, it coming on, back. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, on our last program, we had many emails that we were not able to deal with, and I promise that I'll deal with them on the show. So I'm going to go to them straight now. Harry, first one. Larry in Worcester says there's a lot of arbitrage benefit to using an endowment policy for high taxpayers. The endowment allows one withdrawal. If you use this benefit are you locked into the policy for five years? Let's just understand, am I correct, that the d- differentiation between banks and insurance companies is this five-year rule. Banks you can invest f- yes. daily. You can t- yeah. So In terms
2: t- of the Long-Term Insurance yeah. Act, you know, with an endowment policy, you allowed one withdrawal and one loan potentially in the five years. And once you've taken that one withdrawal, if the product doesn't allow a loan, you then are technically stuck in. Now I say technically because, Brian, I'm on an unashamedly advertised discovery here, so what Discovery do, and again, not just Discovery, a lot of the other insurance companies, they're much more creative in the way they structure these endowment policies. So you buy an endowment policy, but underneath it, there's 100 sub-policies. And that means when you make a withdrawal, you do it from each one of the 100 sub-policies, so you've actually got 100 withdrawals in the five-year period. And that takes care of that problem for most people. So and then you can surrender the policy. Well, yes, but in that five years. But once you've taken your w- one withdrawal, If you haven't got that 100 sub-facility, you can't surrender the policy because your one withdrawal has been, in effect, the surrender in that five years. You've got to wait out the five-year term. We've actually got a very sad case now. It's funny that question came up literally this last week where a client of ours has got this endowment policy. He's got an old-style policy. So from a couple of years ago, before we had this 100 sub-policy facility, he's taken his one withdrawal. He now desperately needs cash. Can't get the cash because he can't surrender. He's taken his one withdrawal. So the only way you can actually create cash out of that policy is to go to the market and try to sell it in the market. Mm-hmm. The problem is, of course, he's going to get hit with a discount. Because once you're selling it in the market, you know, the person buying the policy has to wait out the five-year term, number one. And number two, and this is something Tony will know about, once you're a second purchase of an endowment policy, in terms of the age schedule, you've got double CGT as the new owner, as the second owner. So the, the new purchaser is going to factor in the double CGT they'll pay at the end of the five-year term. So in short... The answer to a view is you must buy one of these new generation endowment policies where you've got 100 sub-policies, and that gives you 100 opportunities to to, take an early withdrawal. Tony, it
0: was a big market, second-hand policies. Mm. I mean, how does who actually pay? You talk about the insurance company paying the CGT and the individual. But how does – I mean, I've got clients who've taken over their parents' policies. Mm. That would make it a second-hand policy. Ah, but there's an
2: exemption there. Sorry to jump here, Brian. If it's yeah. a, out of an estate, you know, the Section 55 has got a whole string of exemptions. Mm. So if you're an heir whose policy is passed over yeah. and you're connected, then there would probably be an exemption. It's just if you're buying a policy in the market that mm. there's no exemption. Well, the past ben, don't I'm like that.
0: I'm going to come back to Tony in a moment when we return. But isn't it strange? He pushes discovery tonight. Doesn't say a word about Liverpool. I think Harry's been on for maybe 10 years with me. This is the first time that he's actually been silent. Well, we're going to take a short break. Stay tuned and we'll be back.